EA Sports. It's in the game. Una come te, è un'equazione al cubo, logica per me, ma da studiare bene. Una come te, è una poesia d'amore dedicata a me. Come sei dolce quando baci sembra tutto come il miele che si attacca al cuore ma si scioglie al sole quando vuoi di più miele che poi diventa sale se siamo in riva al mare e un'onda ci accarezzerà resta il tuo sapore quando devi andare quando non ci sei miele sei bella da morire ma hai fatto innamorare col gusto che c'è in te Welcome to another edition of Tales from the East Stand, sponsored by Peachtree East. It's your weekly dose of Rovers goodness, and we also have a monthly madness where we get fans, players, or former players, even owners of football clubs, into Johnny Blues Bar, and we sub cans and talks all sort of shite. So, um, uh, we have loads to talk about. We're going to talk about our win over Bluebell. Uh, look forward to our Saturday League Cup final with Dundalk and Talla. It's our Boston Rovers 50th anniversary special. So, we have an interview with Rovers legend Mick Leach. And uh, as usual, I'm Gary Parsons, and with me is that prof, Carl Riley. Hello. So, um, but just in, in general, really, Carl, podcasts seem to be the, the in thing right now. I mean, everybody seems to ha- seems to have one. And uh, it's it's we actually never even listened to podcasts before. We we came up with this. I did listen to the odd one, right? But especially in the last year or so, I am listening to more. Everybody has a podcast. Steve Austin has a podcast. Uh me granny has a podcast like everybody seems to have a podcast so it's it's we're in the right game at the moment anyway but uh, yeah like i said we've loads to talk about and uh last week's show plenty of people enjoyed our interview with john karen connolly proper rovers people as barney put it yeah a few neutrals and work said to me who is that headbanger because if a few people listening now and they they actually they said you don't actually have to be a rovers fan to listen so there's enough there's enough going on for a neutral they said who's that headbanger so that's that's you, John. John, the headbanger Connolly. Um, Kenny B says John interviewed himself and Prof was just left pondering his next stat in exile. <laughs> yeah, nine minutes I was left there to ponder. <laughs> yeah, good LKB in yeah. the Glasgow hoops. It was entertaining as hell though. Yeah, it really was. Some of the old stories. And do you know what? They wouldn't have been glorified at all. That's just how it was. Like John said, that's the violent 70s. As they'll now be referred to as. Some great stories about having uh, Bo's in-laws. And getting sympathy from them as well. Uh, I also received some advice from those of volunteering experience. Patrick and Martin wrote, If you do well in the West Isles, you'll graduate to the away ones and get into the argument with Jippo fiends in their 40s and 50s, pretending to be students to get in for a tenner. I love those situations. Uh, grown men coming over with children's tickets. It's like, yeah, listen, the ticket booth was that way. Go back and spend your tenner. Come on, cough it up. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't get anyone in my fourth time, but... I'll definitely be pulling people up if if you're coming over with a child's ticket and you're 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 a grown man. It's not not gonna slide with me, pal. And we had Ray Whelan. Ray Whelan used to help out. He said I helped out there the day Dundalk won the title won the title in 2015 in Tala. Apparently, anyone under the age of 65 is a student in Loud. The rest are kids in OIPs, and there's something really about being called. There's something really nice about being called a see you next Tuesday in a Dundalk accent. <laughs> how can you get? How can you give out if you're snared? 
We've all tried it. You know, I said we go up and you buy a student ticket. Where's your Where's your card? I'll cover the on post logo on my on mine and say, "There you go. Yeah, that's my student card. Get do away I, with it." To actually fight it when you're caught. That's the funny thing. Yeah, no, nah, you just give up and pay the extra. But um, with Conor O'Sullivan, he said, "You get some gems working in the ticket office or the styles. Everyone's thirteen on a Friday night." And uh, Robert's newsletter went out this week and there was a member interview in it with Mick Quinn who says he's been manning the away turnstiles and ticketing since 2010. When asked if he had any issues dealing with particular groups of away fans he said generally they're fine and there's good banter but there was an incident a year ago when Bose came to visit. A few guys who tried to pass themselves off as students but had no ID decided to lift the old ticket boot I was in and carried it away a few yards. Luckily the Gardaí were on hand and politely asked him to put it slash me down gently. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I live to tell the tale, and we won the game. Are you are you talking about the, the little white ticket boots with the branded Rover's crest on it? It must be that one. They yeah. lifted that up, <laughs> and just brought away. What was it like? Excuse me, sirs, could you could you put me down? <laughs> Jesus. Um, also, in the newsletter, it was noted that Paddy McQuaid stepped down from the board, and Rita Fitzsimons recently left the club after many years of loyal service and I always noticed that Rita always answered the phones and she was extremely helpful polite and always willing to help so we wish them well in their future endeavours and whatever comes next um, the, the newsletter also we printed that warning about the flares and uh, just a little side story I was at a wedding at the weekend and where was the wedding? it was actually in Dublin only in uh, Stephen's Green anywhere fancy Stephen's Green oh yeah but the uh, I was talking to a girl who whose brother is a Rovers fan. I won't name names, but we've mentioned him on the show previously. Okay. She knows nothing about Rovers. She knows nothing about what he does. Nothing about flares. So you can imagine her surprise when someone from Rovers knocked at her door and handed her a warning to give to him, saying that he is now banned for one game. No way. You can imagine how bizarre this was from her point of view. She's like, I don't know oh, what wow. you're talking about. They they actually knocked at his door? Yeah, I'm not sure what to think of that one now. Knocking on doors and handing in the warnings. We'll just move on swiftly from that one. Yeah, also at the wedding, I wore shoes that were called Loud Brown. Loud Brown. And when I realised this, it made me physically ill. Sounds like Pat's fans should be wearing them. Disgusting. <laughs> uh, what else? So we have our game against Bluewell. Uh, we beat Bluebell 4-2 in the FAI Cup quarterfinals and away Toy played at Tala. Hattrick and an assist for Brando Miele and Ryan Connolly with the other goal. Yeah, Connolly finally got off the mark. Yeah, and um, I, I branded him as a goal scorer midfielder before he came to Rovers, which he had not done at all. Uh, seems to have gotten a couple of goals when he was at Galway. So he's finally off the mark, very neat finish. And we had the team... News, we'd Mikey O'Connor and Cameron King both starting, no Gary Shaw, he had stitches on the side of his head as a result of some flailing cork elbows. Mm-hmm. No Ronan Finn either, he was suspended. Yeah, no Ronan Finn. And Sean Boyd is out for the rest of the season. Oh, what happened there? It's news to me. Uh, something to do with his stomach, he's he's going to be in rehab. Is it Brock Lesnar-esque? Could be. Yeah, no, that's not good. In rehab? Yeah. Probably too many cans in the weekend. <laughs> no, I don't think uh, I don't think that's the case. But uh, hopefully, a swift recovery for him. It's um, intestinals and innards are never never good to, to injure those or have anything wrong there. So hopefully, he gets uh, well soon. Uh, with Andy Andy Newman in the media before the game, quite a bit of attention on Andy, wasn't there? RT cameras, the little special in the dressing room at halftime. Um, I honestly don't think that that halftime talk would have went down anywhere near like that if the cameras weren't there. Yeah, it was a bit of a 
for TV purposes, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. The, the, the dressing room wouldn't have went down the same way if uh, the cameras weren't there. What was that quote that you said you liked from Andy? Oh, uh, it was usually I'd be giving it, but now I'll be receiving it. Yeah. <laughs> Surely that's going to be framed and put up on the wall. It's talking about abuse, obviously, to, yeah. to opposition teams and that. Usually he'd be giving the abuse. But now he's been receiving it. But the caption actually said, usually I'd be giving it, but now I'll be receiving it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, there were chance of Andy Noonan is a hoop. Uh, he hates balls, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a season ticket holder. And Bakar Bailey should be in jail. Yeah. The chairman is too. Yeah, uh, good lads. I actually, do you know what? Funny, funny, quick story. I was in the Green Oil Hotel having a few pints. And uh, there was a band on. And I had a Rovers pin on. And the lads happened to notice. And out of nowhere, they just they just mentioned. He says that a Rovers badge, and one of them was on the Bluebell board. And I can't forget. I can't remember the name of the band, the name of anyone. There was a lot of points involved, but they sang a they sang "Build Me a Buttercup for My Birthday," and they gave me a pin badge that night. So it was oh, uh, it was very cool. But geez, I can't remember the name of any of them for the life of me now. But uh, yeah, that was uh, they'll know who they are if they listen. That's sort of night, was it? Yeah, it was one of those. Just on the Soccer Republic piece you mentioned, uh, Big Nose was there. I saw that he's their. I don't know what type of coach he is. He's a coach anyway, striking coach. coach. And he, he had a conflicting interest in the game before. He actually yeah. plays for Gamteely. Yeah, he's a coach at Bill Bell who knocked out the team he actually plays for. That's crazy, isn't it? That was odd. That's very weird. How do you react to that? Which side are you on on the lead up to the game? The team you play for, the team you coach? I, I remember seeing the bear where he was banned from Blue Bell for the week. Yeah, that's probably what it was. He probably been training with them. I mean, he's still, he's still a player, so obviously your playing role comes forth. And as someone said on Facebook, uh, Byrne was just there to see if his ball is still on Tala after his penalty. Yeah, he's <laughs> having a look around in Sean Walsh Park. And uh, Andy Noonan, I interviewed him in the Glen Mallory Nice guy, isn't he? The day before, yeah, nice guy, the day before the game. And uh, he was admiring the Del Biero poster. Ah, you'd have to, wouldn't you? On the wall. Epic stuff. And then afterwards, he went off for Brasler to get the tour. And I just heard his voice tail off as he said, We get the home dressing rooms, don't we? We're the home team. Yeah, <laughs> did he uh, get him in a headlock? <laughs> As his, as his, it's his uh, preferred method of keeping a player at Bluewell. Yeah, we weren't kept back 15 minutes after the final whistle either, <laughs> as the away team. Uh, what else we got? We have the Bluebell keeper, Andy McNulty. He sprayed his beard blue before the game. That's a bit of a ga-esque move, isn't it? Spraying your hair, your beard blue. That's something you'd see in Crow Park. It's one way to be taken seriously. Yeah. And uh, if you saw the pitch beforehand, it was a... Uh, very, very well done. That new contractor that we have looking after the pitch has it looking smashing. Has it looking really good? Looks like a snooker table. Yeah, it's it's uh, it really is. It's suiting our style of play as well. Big, expansive style of play for a big pitch. So they used to describe the Milltown pitch. Only one stand open. So it's tales from the West Stand again this week. Yeah, I'm surprised people aren't. T- it's a quarter final, you know. I'm surprised there wasn't more of an uptake on this. So kind of disappointing with the attendance. Now, someone described it when you're in the West Stand and you're used to the East Stand. It's like looking at a game backwards. It is. I, I don't like it. Um, you're you're kind of looked at as a as a weirdo if you get up and run like ten yards and give someone abuse, which I, I mean, a lot of us tend to do in the East Stand. If there's a decision, you get up off your seat, you run, you say, "Yeah, fuck's sake, what's that about?" And then people are like, "Who's this nutter?" But it's it's normal. There's a lot of things that are normal in the East Stand that aren't in the West. It did provide a great view of Brando's second goal, though. That was the perfect view from behind oh, them. What a what a finish. So the attendance was under 1,600, officially speaking, looked over 2,000. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing Bluebell didn't have the clickers on the door. I heard they did have the clickers. But <laughs> they did, did they? There was a 10-year-old Bluebell fan 
clicking behind. away like mad. <laughs> no, not clicking. He was behind the robber's dugout, screaming every two minutes. Come on, Bluebell. Oh yeah, I heard it. I heard about him actually. And there was no program made. No program for the, the game. The honest was on Bluebell to make a program. It was their home game. Oh, that could have got tricky. Biggest game in their history, supposedly. Ah, they wouldn't have done that. No the, where, where are they even going to get the material? There's no way they were going to do that, you know? A couple of mistakes from last week in the podcast. We do make them, unfortunately. Yeah, we're normal. We're human. Yeah. Blue Bell did reach the quarterfinals before, in 1995. Oh. Wasn't their first time. And Rico wasn't in Donnybrook. I thought it was camera yeah, trickery. Yeah, no, I thought he was. Because I looked up and I saw the lads in the actual room, yeah. Yeah, yeah I just wasn't paying attention. He was in the TV room. So I take back everything I said. <laughs> he should have done the sweet. There was no optical illusion, and Rico, yeah. you owe us. You owe us one. So um, that's our fuck ups addressed. <laughs> uh, Brando's first goal. Boom. Take that one out, Captain Bluebeard. That's what I was thinking. What a finish. And an assist for the king. I mean, he didn't have much to do. He just. He did, Carl. It was a Brandon. brilliant assist. <laughs> yeah. Well, the ninth <laughs> tier of English football superstar. The ninth tier, yeah. Tetford Town. As our, us, uh, the Irish tongue will will struggle with the th. Yeah, another cracker from Brando. Oh although, wow! Although possibly the second one was better, but just dropped in, didn't it? Yeah, second one was great. The Gary Siri goal. Uh, I I was uh, lambasted by Dino. Yeah, and, he's given the abuse. On yeah, Twitter. I said they would no pace, and Gary's pace is exactly what got him that goal. Yeah, it was some good movement, and he was just too quick for the defender. He nipped in and just poked it home. So the start of the goal, it was very sloppy though. They took a throw in. We won the ball back off them, and then Ryan Connolly passed it right back to him to cross it in. Yeah, which, to which Queen. I'm sure had Carol Kern's blood boiling. Yeah, certainly would. I mean, it was a deep cross from Quinn of uh, the famous Quinn footballing family. He's one of those. He's ex League of Ireland as well, known for his short temper. But um, yeah, no, that was a it was a decent goal. So we applaud them for that. And then we had Brando second. Whammo! You got buried, Papa Smurf. I'm going to try and make as many Bluebeard jokes as I can. So there's no chance for Nulty again. I mean, the dipping shot right into the bottom corner. The Brando we know and love is back, and he goes back to that argument about his best position. And they actually talk about this in Soccer Republic. This is an ongoing argument. Yeah. That we have it ourselves more than anything. Number 10 behind the striker. That's where he belongs and does his damage. But he's been confined to a wide role. And what do we do next? I mean, do we keep him there? We have, Surely he's a shoe-in. For for that position now that Borky is injured, but what do we do? Do we drop Bulger, Duna, or McAllister? That's I'm still deciding my team for this cup final as we speak. It's still going through my head. I think Bulger is undroppable at the moment. McAllister's undroppable as well because he's an animal. He's just that bit of fucking that bit of a uh, bite we have in the middle. You know, it's a very very tough thing. I can't wait to see what Brazer goes with. Well, that's three crackers in two games for Brandon. Ah, uh, do you know what? This is officially. The, the best season for goals I've ever witnessed it's stunning he's having his own personal goal of the month competition <laughs> yeah and uh, well the, yeah, the first one was uh, right foot curled into the left corner second one was on the edge of the area from the left side bent it over the keeper and into the and bottom right went, corner it, it was one of those where it goes bloop just <laughs> drops in that sound was actually made if you listen to us <laughs> yeah Brazzer was talking about his, his shooting afterwards and he says he has a strange way of hitting the ball at Brandon he hits it and in the last minute it dips. Keepers think it's gone wide or over. It's an excellent technique and to be fair to him, he works on it. Most mm. days after training, he stays back with balls, right foot and left foot. It's no coincidence that he scores goals like that. I'm delighted to hear that. When it leaves his foot, you think it's five yards over, but by the time it's at the goal, it dips and it's under the bar. 
It's a technique that he obviously worked on in off-season and he's kept it going. When it comes off like that, it's nearly unstoppable. I ah, love it. Love it. Great to hear. And uh, I love when keepers watch the ball go in. Did you see McNulty for the first one? He just kind of looked. Yeah. And oh, he's like, it's going over. Oh, no, no, it's in the top corner. So it was, it was a really good yeah. strike. He didn't celebrate either. No, no. Mm. I mean, they, they, did, they did a lot from him, apparently. So, like I said, um, Bluebell, they seem to be making strides. I'm, I'm backing them for the league anyway. Crumlin might have something to say about that. They... Um, They've three out of three. Maybe they've played a four game. I didn't check the junior soccer portal, which is a fantastic source for Leinster Senior League football. If you are interested in it, check it out. It's really, really good, and they do great work. But um, it's going to be a good season. Crumlin are off to a good start. Bluebell, I think they lost their first game against Seaway, but listen, it's going to be a long season and definitely worth checking out, considering the players that are in that league. So if you do have an itch for football, check out the Leinster Senior League because it's really good. So we'll talk about. Connolly's goal now his first goal for the club Carl it was yeah I think he got one in pre-season can't remember oh god he might have very smart and cool finish it was his left foot wasn't it yeah lovely pass down by Mele and uh, slotted in the bottom right corner yeah it was a lovely finish very nice goal now an assist from Brando as well so Brando was involved in all areas of play this this, uh, that week Roberto Lopez own goal I thought it was a I thought the striker got a touch so I think that's one for the dubious goals panel yeah, Shane Stritch was on top of him, and I watched it a few times. I'm not not hundred percent sure. I it's hard thought, to call, isn't it? I thought it looks like Lopez is the one who gets the last poke in it, but he's a good player. Now I played with him once or twice. He was a year younger than us at Pats, and he was always good. I always thought he was very fast and a good finisher. And I think like he he should be playing League of Ireland, but I think he has a job and it just suits him to play Leinster Senior League. But he's well able for that step up and. Maybe maybe age is getting to him now where people are thinking, ah, I don't I, I I certainly don't think people should judge anyone on their age, but you know what, League of Ireland might be like that. He's think he's twenty seven now, but um I definitely think he'd be worth a pun for some teams in the League of Ireland. So that put the bell right back in it, but then almost straight away. Bit of madness. Um we'll talk about I don't think the goal, but was it uh, was Tony Griffith's red card straight after it, wasn't it? It was straight after, yeah. Silly, silly, silly red card. What was he thinking? I saw it described as a tired challenge on Simon Madden. The f- the, what, the initial one? What was the, f- what was the, the second one, one about? The second one, was it clumsiness or was he just trying to knee him on the chest? It wasn't chest? clumsiness. It was, it, was, it was a moment of madness and then just as he committed his moment of madness, he kind of pulled back and thought, oh shit, I'm going to send off here. What am I doing? We're 3-2 down. We, we could literally be back in this, you know? I don't think they would have got a draw with the game anyway because we were... Despite the scoreline, we were actually were very in control. Yeah, but yes, like you said, you never know, you know. But like, and yeah. one thing I wasn't happy with was to concede from two deep crosses, so that has to improve. Um, they were both bad goals, Mary. Yeah, view, yeah, they really were. I don't like conceding from those areas, and they, they were not random punts, but they were just crosses from deep, you know. And we conceded twice, so definitely something we will have to work on. I'm sure Bradza wouldn't have been happy with it. So sloppy goals, and the red card anyway. So that um, plunged the game. In their favour, and uh, I heard the interview they did with Griffiths. He actually spoke spoke very well. Well, congratulations! You got a record Gary. number of listens, didn't you? Congratulations, Gary! You're one of seven people who listened to that. <laughs> seven people. It was very good. Lit- so was Andy's as well. Literally seven people clicked mm. play in that interview. Oh yeah, that was. Uh, I thought it was good. Don't mind. Don't mind the haters, Carl. That, that's seven fans that'll be back every week. So Mille completed his hat trick with a very FIFA 17 like finish, or one in circle into the bottom right corner. Gorgeous back heel from Clark and another one of his mazy runs. It's a great hat trick. Ah, it was a stunning hat trick. They struggled with with um 
Clark's pace all night, but you like uh, a couple of people said online, you'll struggle <coughs> to find a better hat trick. Yeah, that was Clark ran forty yards for that one, as you say, nice little black back heel, and another stroke into the bottom corner. It was deadly. Yeah, it was really, really good goal. So um, it's the form we hope to keep up for this cup final coming up on Saturday. And Clark is nominated for August Player of the Month. Yeah, um, I think he's been the. I think Bulger's taken the shine off him this 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 month because he's been really good. But you just uh, you can't look away from Bulger at the moment. Once again, he was majestic, and he'll have to start on Saturday, won't he? I think so. Yeah, it's very hard to pick a team, Carl. I'm struggling. I'm still thinking that as we as we go through this podcast, I'm, I can't pick a team. I don't want to drop certain players. Like I'm, it's it's a tough tough decision. What way do we go against Dundalk? That was Clark's second nomination for player of the month this season and uh, Pierre Fitzpatrick says a great example to all young players who come back from rejection in the UK without a doubt man big time because look at the rejection rate and the amount of lads that get released I think it's every May they come home and it's it has to be like 90% of lads no education coming home to nothing so for him to stick it out and keep going and not get this hurt and it's it is it's um, it's dancing as for the Brandon Mille goal scoring form Let's just remind ourselves, Gary. What did I say? Oh, you're dead. Yeah, I'll scored. give you that. Okay, hands up, Carl. You said he's going to go on a run. And let's hope that continues. Yeah, so Carl Bulger's the man at the moment, isn't he? He's still 17. He hasn't turned 18, yeah? He, believe it or not, he's he's 17, yeah. I think we'll have to get the party poppers out in the East End when he does turn 18. <laughs> we'll have a little party for him, get the party hats. There was one moment on the touchline where he showed a bit of skill and he left two blue pill players for dead he does that he does that he leaves players for dead and then just kind of gets the head up and looks and goes yeah you two have just been embarrassed <laughs> I'm just going to knock a ball in here keep possession his close control is so good and what really impressed me about him was actually it's so hard to dispossess him because he's got such a low centre of gravity that it's hard to even physically force him off the ball it's really hard he's got that and he's, he's like an ox for his age as well he's really strong so that we should really stop talking about him or he'll be gone to the UK in yeah, no time. Or he'll just... Geez, I won't say that. I won't say he'll be injured but something will happen. We'll, we'll, we'll jinx him, you know? Right. We're not praising him anymore on this podcast, yeah, right? Yeah, no. You're terrible. Aaron, yeah. get your finger out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what else we got? We got Cameron King. Made his first start with an assist. Yeah, showed some really nice touches. Mm. I mean, not everything came off from him in the first half. But well, I at really, least he's willing to try. I really like to look at this guy. Yeah. I mean, a very positive player. Always looking at... To go out defences and especially second half, he almost always played the right pass at the right time. And so definitely a Bradshaw type of player, isn't he? He got tired towards the end and he, he was taken off for doing it, but I mean, yeah, really good performance. What does poor Diona have to do to get a start? I think he's lucky that Bulger has emerged now. A Skill Street soldier is struggling to get a start here. Yeah, Bulger's emergence as their new talent has uh, definitely hampered his chances. Uh, what else have we got? Darren Clark came on for his debut as well. Very pacey. We weren't expecting to see him at all this season. No, no. But uh, he's, he's made his debut. And uh, he came on as a sub from Mikey. Which in Twitter handles, that's at Darren Clark 321. Came on for at Michael 55795968. I didn't read it in full last week. So he has to, I think he has to change that. Say must, well, you'd wonder where the numbers come from, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so uh, we had Bucker Bailey coming on for them and tried to chop down Bulger <laughs> immediately and anybody who got in his way so he could have injured somebody labelled as a disgrace on some of the forums which I don't think mean came on just to kick people well the first well, thing he did when he came on was, saying, was yeah. kick someone what was the point I mean was he told 
What else was he going to do? It's coming on to chop people down, it's especially the young guy. Definitely not a fan of that. Well, he came on, uh, someone in front of me in the West End joked that Bolger will have to come off now because Betty was coming on. Controlling he, and the game. He, and he's going to go through him. No, no, particularly because he would go through him in a tackle. Mm, and he did. And that's literally what happened. He clattered him. Should have been sent off. Yeah, he was booked, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah so, but he uh, should have been booked for the first one. And then sent off and yeah. for the second one, yeah. That's when we got the chance of Bucker Bailey should be in jail. Yeah. But I think he should be banned from the podcast after that care. I think so. It's a two-time think... guest appearance, but even if he jumps out of the bushes the Blue Bell Club again, <laughs> just ignore him. Don't give him any attention. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a bit of a media horror, right? He's, he's the first one in when the microphone gets whipped out. Yeah, so what do you have? we've uh, heard a bit from Brando, our hat-trick hero himself, after the game, so here he is. And they're into the semi-finals and you get to keep the match ball, so a great nice work for yourself and the team. Yeah, you know, um, it was just more important to get the win than anything else, you know. We knew coming into this game we had to respect Bluebell and know they're a good side and um, we knew they were going to come out and give everything, so, you know, I think we managed we managed that well and um, I think in the end we probably won the game comfortably, but, you know, they're, they're a very good side, so really, really, really happy to get through. First hat-trick of your senior career, how happy are you with that? Yeah, yeah, um, obviously delighted, you know, I got two a few times last year, and um, obviously trying to get the hat-tricks tough, you know, it's in your head as well when you're playing, you think just third goal and doesn't happen for you, but, you know, um, tonight I'm happy, and just more importantly, happy happy to get through to the semi-final. You've got three cracking goals in the last two games, do you, do you even have a favourite? No, not really, you know, just every goal counts, and um, just really happy to be scoring, and um, hopefully I can keep keep that going. And assist for the third goal as well, good to see Ryan Connolly get off the mark. Yeah, yeah, you know, Ryan was, Ryan was a top player, and uh, obviously, yeah, good to see him get a goal tonight. I think he deserved it, so yeah, it's, it's great. What did you think of Bluebell's performance tonight? Bluebell were, 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 um, were great, you know, they showed unbelievable character. There's some very good characters in that team, and um, you know, you've seen it tonight. And um, We scored, they get one straight back, then we go 3 1 up, and they still, they still come back and get another one back, you know, it puts us under, under major pressure, you know, so um, they have a lot of character, and they have a lot of, they have a lot of push, and they work, they work really hard for each other, so. Uh, you know that that'll go a long way. It's an old club of yours, so you didn't celebrate too much. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. You know, I respect the team and I respect the manager and the staff. So, uh, no, it's just something I wouldn't do. You know, but um, obviously just just a lot to, to get through for the next round. When you came on from Newcastle in 2014, you signed for Blue Bell. Where was your head at, and did he really help you kickstart your career again? Yeah, you know, I was I was probably at a low point of uh, my career and didn't know what to do and um, whether to stick at football and stuff. You know. And then um, obviously got talked to the fans. I went down there and, and signed for them for a few months and really got me back, you know. And uh, really grateful for that. And um, yeah, so if it wasn't for them, really, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. It's work for other players too, like Keith Fahey and Richie Tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've seen them. You've seen them. Obviously, uh, you see them. Obviously, go there and you know, Keith is back playing with them now. And um, they're a really good club and they'll attract, they'll attract the top players here, you know. So, um, so yeah, it's great for them. So then Doc, Limerick and Longford or Cork in the same as who would you fancy? Either or, to be honest, you know, we take any of them. Um, we think we've beaten all of them this season. So um, apart from Longford, obviously we haven't played them, but the other three, you know, we've played and we've beat them. So um, we take any of them really, so we're going to have to face one of them at some point. So anyone, we'll take anyone, yeah. And seven wins in a row now, so confidence is really high. Yeah, you know, we just need to keep that going, not let it slip, not let the standard slip and just keep that going. And um, I think we'll go a long way. So that was Brando. Hatrick hero talking about his time at Bluebell and uh, his hatrick. Yeah, it was an entertaining game. Uh, Bluebell. I, I expect him to put up a better challenge in Shelburne. 
and they did mm-hmm. certainly did and uh, I talked to Bradzer as well after the game what was Bradzer how was Bradzer and I mentioned the stat to him remember from last week yeah, yeah, yeah. seven straight wins for the first time since 1993 lovely what do you think of that and then he looked at me and said you love a stat don't you <laughs> yeah but more importantly Carl how was his beard uh, growing I believe yeah, it's it's uh, it was trimmed the last time, a bit of grey. It was trimmed, yeah. but it was very very neat. So we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on this. So fans out there, I know this is a pressing issue. It's very important that we get this out to the fans, Carl, and we'll keep um, we'll we'll let you know if it becomes dishevelled or if he's going down the road of hipster. Crucial updates. It's it it shall continue. So uh, keep keep tuned, and uh, we will provide you with updates. We have Dundalk beating Drogheda four 0 uh, That game was over half time. Um, <coughs> he was three 0 just for half time and didn't really pull the fight. Uh, so Limerick won two one. Um, Galway and Cork won four one away to Longford. And this guy that I keep harping on about Bastian Ery, uh, young Jaden plays ball with Ben Connolly, the ref who ref that quarter quarter final. He plays with his son, so. Like as you as you're chatting away, watching the kids in the sideline, he ref Galway in Limerick game. He said that Ari Ari was amazing. It <laughs> was amazing, and he said it's not often a ref notices a player unless they really stand out. And uh, hopefully, Brad's just keeping an eye on him. I think he'd be a really good addition to the squad. And he was saying that uh, during the referees' meetings, he said that they they obviously sit together and they talk about things. And he said that Ogbene is one that they watch because he's so so quick that decisions hinge on his quickness so he said there's, he's one that they watch out for because he's so quick it's interesting yeah and uh, the car game see the on goal Robbie Williams scored the on goal of the millennium yeah I saw that one Um, it was like a, a wayward left foot volley wasn't it and just looped over they were, geez, they yeah. were never going to score were they it was, a, it was a really poor performance from Longford did you see Dylan Connolly's comical dive no didn't, did he dive no was it on Soccer Republic yeah I know his goal. His goal it's was one the good. pundit said. Looks like a sniper took him out. Yeah, no, he he definitely likes a dive. We know that. We know how Dylan likes a dive. Um, what else have we got? We have the semi-final draw, which was made on Monday, and we got Dundalk away. Aww. Yeah, so I'm not sure what to think of this one, Car. I think it's probably the worst draw on form <sighs> we could have got because we know. I know we've beaten them out there, and we've beaten Cork. So our who knew with the top four teams has gone out the window, but it's still not a place I want to go to. Rubbish, uh, ru- rubbish view. I mean, so, so that toy. First of all, that that'll be played Sunday, October first, four forty-five kickoff at Oriel Park. Uh, so we'll definitely pack the place. We already did them out there, Carl. We can do it again once we bring a big crowd. We have a full strength team. I mean, I hate that Oriel kip. I really do. The Jacks is the the no proper toilets facilities, no proper anything, and then you have to put up with that accent while you're there, and it's. It's horrendous, and you can even hear it when they're chanting. It's 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 a it's a brutal one. But like I said, I think we can do them up there. But it's probably the worst job we could have got. I would have took probably, I probably would have took Cork away before this because they're not really in form. But Dundalk had a form team like us, but uh, definitely not a good draw. Yeah, we're gonna have to do it the hard way. Yeah, if we beat them out there, I'm gonna say it now we'll win the cup. If we beat Dundalk, we'll win the cup. That draw is punishment for us believing we can win the cup this year. Yeah, I know. It's, it's the hope that kills you. It's the hope, yeah. Although they didn't want us either, to be fair. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Two two form teams. They won't they won't admit that, but it's true. So will there be a replay if this goes to a draw? Yeah, the replay will be Wednesday. So it, that means if, we'll take if them if back needed. to Tallow. Would you take that? Would you take a draw, Carl? 
Well, this is a bit different to a league game. It is, isn't I it? I hate take a draw in terms of I hate it taking well. a point. But this would be taking a draw and bringing it back, bring to, it back to home. I yeah. think so. We we probably could take it. Still it, stupid phrase. Yeah, still stupid. <laughs> Can we add uh, Johnny McDonald and Fabio to the list of hatred? Just, way, oh yeah. just for drawing those two teams out together. Yeah, and no, not Limerick. Do you know what? We haven't added anyone to the list of hatred for a while. I think we should add someone today. Well, I've got reason. I've got more reason for adding them, right? Fabio said that Rodrigo Tosi is no spring chicken. He's 30. He's actually 34. I was about to say that. He's no way he's 30. Only four years Do your research there. while you're on TV, yeah. pal. Johnny McDonald says that Carl Shepard has really taken over the mantle since Sean Maguire no, left. No, he hasn't. I think he scored once. Uh, number of league goals scored by Sadlier and Shepard since Maguire left. Zero. Zero league goals, one cup. I think he scored against Longford, the mighty Longford. Is he serious? Taking on the mantle. He said that. He what said a it. Fucking idiot. The two of them. But I don't I don't think we should add I think <laughs> I, for for incompetence reasons. I, I think we should have added Caulfield to be honest, but I think we'll we'll give them a pass for the time being. I think we'll wait there's definitely gonna be another instant anyway. Caulfield just puts his foot in his mouth most weeks. So um Did you see uh Sean Maguire scored his first league goal for Preston? Yeah, I actually didn't see the goal, but um what was it like, did you see? No, I didn't see it. I was trying to watch the goals this morning but I couldn't get a hold of it. Um yeah, no, it's good to see him score goals. I mean, I think it's something. It's it's might be an outlet that we need in the national team as well. We could do worse than play him in Wales. What's what's the worst that could happen? It's not like anyone else is going to score. There you go, Johnny Walters. Our yeah. form long. Yeah, so Dundalk away in the cup on the October fourth, four forty-five. So mark it down your calendar and bring a big crowd hoops. Yeah, mad scramble for tickets now. I'd say. I'd say so. Remember the trouble at the opening day of the season. Johnny, get tickets. Yeah, I'm getting in, Carl. Either way, I don't care. <laughs> Getting in. You will not stop me from getting to that game. I suppose no. Limerick would have been too good to be true, but it's getting a bit strange now how long Cork and Dundalk have been kept apart in the Cup because they haven't met before the FAI Cup final since the 1989 wow. quarter final. So I actually added it up, and that's 53 consecutive times that they could have been drawn together. And they didn't. But were kept apart. Wow. That's crazy. And what about this? Tell me this. What are the permutations of our European qualification now? So let's say, I think I saw someone mention it, but I just want to clear it up considering you're the brains of the operation here. And um, so let's say, for argument's sake, okay, Cork and Dundalk get into the final and we finish fourth. What happens? I can sum it up in one sentence. Go on, sum it up. If Cork beat Limerick, okay, fourth is good enough for Europe. Right. So it doesn't matter about our game. Okay, so we don't want that. To, we don't want Europe to hinge on that, but we still want to, obviously we still want to win and come towards, so... It is playing in our favour a little bit though, am I right? It is, yeah, but I'd, I'd almost risk Europe because I just want this cup at this stage. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, sure, but don't you get it anyway if, if, if you, if you win, so yeah. Well, what I mean was, let's I, roll on, I'd have, for 25. I'd have loved a Limerick <laughs> final. Yeah, imagine. Even if it was risk in Europe, I'd imagine. have loved it. And uh, it's usually a double header, these cup semi-finals, you know, on the Sunday. Yeah, same they're day. They're both in RTE, but in this case, Cork Limerick is on the Friday. I wonder what the case is with that. And what would you think of neutral venues for semi-finals? I don't know. I don't think I... Oh. I would like them, actually. I, th- I think that might be a good idea, but... Yeah, yeah, I think it might be a good idea because it is a bit of an advantage, I mean, especially with that bloody pitch out there in Oriel and it's just, just a general kip. And I think it might, I think it might be good. Yeah, where would you have it? Where would you have it? I wouldn't have it in the Aviva. I think that's silly. I'd have it somewhere else. No, no, not the Viva. 
obviously their options are limited. I mean, Turner's Cross and Tyler are the two best stadiums. Yeah. But uh, I, I used to love that in the, in the FA Cup. We used to have neutral venues. Say like you'd, in Wembley, didn't say they? like you'd have Man United and Arsenal playing at Villa Park. Oh yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. But oh, now, yeah. now it's Wembley, which I I think it I takes think the gloss stupid. out the final. Doesn't I it? hate that they have yeah, the semis it's, in it's, Wembley. It's rubbish. Doesn't make sense. In the old days in the FAI Cup, they used to have them. Uh, I think Denham Park as well. I mean that do that do it. Uh, add a bit of spice to it. You know, neutral venue. Sometimes Tolga. Yeah, there you go. Well, not Tolga anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So we're one game away from a final. When you say it like that, Carl, like it's real. It's yeah. real now. 90 minutes from a final, but potentially 90 minutes. But and Mark Keating says he's ordering a white horse again. Yeah, get that pony out. Get your pony out. The white Shetland pony again. <laughs> Ooh, the nerves. Yeah, so um, definitely. Definitely great time to be a hoop, I have to say. And um, It's great to be excited again. Yeah, so bef- yeah, before we move on, we had a phone call from good old Ray this morning. Ray rang me and uh, he was trying to get the Tales from the East End crew out for points but unfortunately I'm away I'm, well I'm working all week I'm on 12 hours and it's just finding it very hard to do it and um, he had uh, Noel Larkin over with him so we're going to try and get an exclusive with Noel Larkin Noel is off to Sicily on Friday very fancy and then he's going to be back for the Harps game so we're going to try and get the legend that is Noel Larkin on the show and ask him a couple of things about his 18 year old performance against at, against AC Milan and St. Mel's Park so there's plenty of stuff to ask Noel very very interesting and uh, yeah so we'll move on to Igor Labutz and Dragos Strifan you like that Carl? I love pronouncing it's pretty Tomer-esque uh, they've been banned from football for 12 months following an FAI match fixing investigation now this is crazy the Athlone duo have been found guilty of breaching the three FAI rules bringing the game into disrespect disrepute manipulating matches and betting and gambling now I wonder if they have rock solid evidences on this or are they going off what they perceive as match fixing from looking at videos or performances and the appeal should be interesting I think that's what they're going off looking at performances no they didn't have concrete evidence because I was reading Richie Sadler in the Irish Times and he was saying that this sets a dangerous precedent because rather than any incriminating phone or bank records or any kind of circumstantial evidence this was based solely on the opinions of three men the FBI asked to review the footage. So... This won't hold up, Carl. It could just be that they played really badly. Yeah, I don't theory. think it'll hold up. I mean, you can't do that. You can't just say, oh yeah, they were rubbish that day. They're fixing. Like, that's a scurrilous accusation to throw at anyone if there's no solid evidence with, like, transactions, with meetings, with cams in, like, somebody's briefcase pointing out and catching people. Who was, who was caught before in scandals? There was betting scandals before where people were taking money in bongs and they were caught with hidden cameras. Like that type of situation. If they don't have that, they should probably drop it. I was reading an interview with LeBuds. I don't think it was after this verdict came in. I think it was back in May or something. He's basically just saying, like, I know I'm not a top-class keeper. And I never will be. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm match-fixing. He said he was investigated 18 times. He said that's true. But he said he was never charged or questioned. Any Did he have any more thoughts on why he was investigated 18 times? I'd look, yeah. Do you know what? We, we should nearly go and try and interview him. And that'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Say to him, why were you in, investigated 18 times? Like, I mean, we're not there to hang him. We just want to know why. 18 times is a lot. But that's interesting. He wasn't actually questioned any of the 18 times. Imagine, right? Put it this way. Imagine he was completely innocent. And never, ever... Got involved in betting around like that. I have to say, fair play to him for still playing football. Imagine someone thinking, you've been match-fixing yeah. 18 times just because you're rubbish. 
<laughs> and I often forget he was here before. He played for Sporting Fingal. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember him now. But um, yeah, so Athlone uh, reacted angrily to that. And the PFAI were backing them to the hilt as well. As did our manager Roddy. He said, this is the most despicable outcome. Hold on, I'll do his voice, will I? This is the most despicable... <laughs> I don't think I could do it. This is the most despicable outcome I've come across in football in those four decades of involvement. Dating back to those first few steps I took with the Bohemians Reserves in the old League of Ireland B Division in 1977. I love that unnecessary detail. Yeah. It was a random fact from Ruddy. Yeah, so they're... Um, I don't think that this is going to hold up. I don't think that 12-1 ban is going to hold up. But then again, if it's down to the three guys that decided on it, then it will. If it's an independent body that comes in, they might not hold up. But um, yeah, so that's it's very interesting. Like I said, but I mean, without there's no smoke without fire. There is a lot of is it even evidence? But look, the betting patterns and things like that, and it is very interesting. I have to say, I love a good story like this. It's not good for the league, but I do find it interesting. It's very interesting. It's, it's should, we're going to keep an eye on this and see how uh, uh, see how the the outcome comes out. But um, so we had Bray and Sligo went out of the Scottish Challenge Cup at the first hurdle. So Linfield beat Spartans, a non-league Scottish team. So they're still in it. This is a depressing cup, Carl. I never want to be in this ever. Jesus, do you see Bray as well? Lost five nil at home to Waterford in a friendly. I mean, think about it. that was a strange result. Yeah, they're. There was a call. Yeah, Pats don't have a game either this week. So until Pats pal and work, they might get a friendly involved. Um, or they might get a friendly in. Yeah, five nil at home to Waterford. It's a strange one, isn't it? Bit of news here regarding Michael O'Neill. He was charged with drink driving. It has been reported. So he was pulled over just before one a.m. on Sunday, according to Scottish Sun. He allegedly failed a breath test after he was stopped by police in the bypass on the outskirts of Edinburgh. Yeah, he has a house in Edinburgh. Oh, the Bowls fans have been loving this. His court date is five days before the Northern Ireland home qualifier with Germany. Wow. I'm not sure what to think of that one. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to skirt clear of that one. Anyway, onto new news. Uh, a former Rover player, Rod DeCours, is currently stranded in Florida. Uh, Hurricane Irma has interrupted his holiday. and uh, Hopefully, uh, we wish him a safe return. Um Hope our friend Al is safe too. Yeah, We've not Al heard from, from the South Florida Hoops Club. He was uh, one of the one of the lads used to always go to games with, and uh, we I think we've heard from him. If not, we just hope he's well. And uh, he's working in a bar over there, and he uh, he's preaching the Rovers gospel to anyone who listen. So uh, safe. Hope hope Al stays safe. John, there was actually a book written about Rod the Horse called "Who Needs Canton Now." We've got Rod the Horse. Really. A book written about Rod the Horse. By an Athlone fan, yeah. Because that's what they used to chant in games. Jeez, I didn't know that. Bit of a cult icon down in uh, Lissy Wolan. So we have the 19s. They're looking to seal that playoff place against Cork on Saturday. Big, big game. And same day as the cup final. So that's going to put a major, major dent in their attendance. But um, it's 2pm at Bishopstown. And uh, yeah, hopefully they can do the business there. We have the 17s. They're already assured of the playoffs. They beat Kerry 3-1 in Tala. Really exciting young team. The visitors arrived with only a green and white kit, so the hoops had to make a late change into the first team's away kit. That's very unprofessional, isn't it? Coming with a green and white kit, knowing we play in green and white. Right, so I don't know about that. So Connor Bean wearing James Dunn's jersey, doing it on the back. Yeah. <laughs> really? Uh, scored the fourth goal. There's a hoop through and through. Thomas Hannon got the second and substitute Evan Smithers. Excellent. 
Making his return to Tala after a summer layoff, set up Jack Kelly for goal number three. So our 17s are roaring at the moment. No Dean Smith, no Dean Williams goal though. Disappointed. Yeah, just note on Dean Williams, we were gone by the official website last week, which apparently is way out. So Dean actually has 17 league goals and four cup ah, goals. So he is roasting this season. hot at the moment. He's not on fire, he is scum. So definitely one to look out for. Smashing the goals in. And they're away to Galway, Sunday at 4pm, so that's a trip on its own. Hopefully it's an aim of DC and the locker room is open. I think we're barred. <laughs> I'm sure Tommy Caddy's barred. Yeah, Tommy. Oh man, he wound that bouncer up to bits. I had to save him. Um, that's, yeah. if he, that's if he's ever been there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's ever been. So the under 15s, they drew nil all the way to Athlone Town. And their next game is against UCD at Roadstone Sunday at 8pm. Yeah, a- I like that. Late kickoff. We could probably head on to that one, Carl. That's a sneaky one. I might go on. I'm back from a wedding midday. I'm going I'm to probably head up to that. 8 p.m. under the lights, points. Oh, yes. I like the sound of that. Duffer and Lukey. So, congratulations to our under 17s goalkeeper, Gavin Bazunu. Carl, you love this guy. You're a big fan. Yeah, I'm impressed. I can't wait to see him in action. So, that's the 15s on Sunday night. He'll be playing. Oh, he won't be playing. He's, he's past that at this stage, isn't he? 17s and 19s football. This guy is playing. So we had the defender Alex Dunn who had been called up to the Ireland Skunder 16 squad for two friendlies with Romania and Bucharest next week. What an experience for these young guys. Mm. Flying off to a city steeped in culture and playing football for their for their home country. So definitely good luck to the lads. And uh, So 8 o'clock kickoff Sunday night against UCD in the Roadstone. Get on down and watch our under 15s. The hype is real. So there was a tweet from Gary Shaw. Shawzy the king of the West. A goal scored today in training. I like this already. Started with McPhail, who played it out wide to Duff, who in turn crossed for Kane to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie oh probably God. did the cartwheel afterwards. Yeah. We actually played Malahide in the weekend for Esker and Kane was hiding in the bushes. His young fella plays for, for Malahide. I think he seen me going around with the spot the balls. So he was straight into the bushes. There's, there's cameras at uh, Rollstone. Like they record all the 15s, 17s, 19s goals. That's serious, serious surveillance there. For I remember Stephen Royce talking about it in an interview with Tubesine. So that'd be great footage if we had yeah, like that love goal. To, love to get a hold of it. Yeah. Say Joe.e would love it. Oh, be, there's definitely footage of that. Definitely exists. Yeah, yeah so we uh, we have Anto Matthews, long time hoop, and Tales from the East Al, unofficial fact checker for me because he works with us, but he gave us a treasure trove of old Rovers reading, Carl. An actual 1963 newspaper. It's an actual newspaper. It's all yellow and in bits. Carl, it's old as fuck. Usually people have newspaper from that year showing the Kennedy assassination. But in this case, it's uh, oh, Hoops show. games. Good yeah. show, Carl. That was at the top of the head. I yeah. like that. And if you've ever, if you've never seen that program with uh, James Franco, definitely check it out. Epic, epic program. And the ending bro, nearly brought a tear to my eye, Carl. I got very emotional watching that. So definitely, if you have some time, check out that. But we have a very, very old, old newspaper. Shamrock Rover 6, Bohemians 1. So Rover shoot half a dozen. And I had a, a Liam Tui hat-trick playing at his new position of inside left. I mean, this is a great bit of stuff. So all this stuff that we got off Anto, we've got some other stuff we'll talk about now. This is all for the Heritage Trust, if you want. So Jay McLean and... Robert, you're entitled to this, and I'm sure you'll probably talk to Carl before you talk to me, Robert. So if you want it, you're entitled to it. It's got some great stuff in it. Uh, there was two people injured. Two Waterford forwards got little scope from their marking defenders, and they took their chances in a manner which contrasted strikingly with the losers. So some great stuff here. 
what else did Anto give me? He gave me an Irish soccer magazine from 1996, and it's got Ian Rush on the front, I don't know why. I've been snapping up dozens of these magazines at the, the book fairs in the last few years, because that's a great magazine. And you know what? It's a fantastic read, Carl. It really, it really is. There's loads of stuff here. It's got... It's so League of Ireland orientated, and it, do you know what? It just wouldn't... No one would buy it. Do you know what? I think people probably would buy it. If this came out... I like paperback doesn't really work anymore for magazines it's kind of a dead trade isn't it but I'd, I'd subscribe to this I'd get it delivered to the house and everything it's fantastic it really is and this is 1996 we have uh, some really good articles you've got you've got look Marcel Desailly and Pauline's in the old school Predators <laughs> for an ad there you've got Glenmalore Park Mark 2 Robert Goggins spoke to the new Shamrock Rovers general manager Pat Bourne about plans for their new home at Talla uh, Cove Ramblers fourth in the Welsh tournament look at all this old stuff Shelbourne in the 19 look who predicted it who wrote this one I'm not too sure there's no name on it but the prediction for the 1996 league was Shelbourne first Pat second Bowles third and Rovers fourth we've got some really good stuff talking about Mick Moody at Pats they were all wrong by the way because Derry won the league 96-97 all wrong yeah and we've got Newbridge Town who are friends in football football friends uh, Newbridge Town they were, they were replacing James's Gate in the National they, they got a chance to replace James's Gate in the National League in in, in that in that year so that's that's another like some really good stuff Nutsy talking about always wanting to play for the hoops so he returned to play for the hoops that year you've got stats you've got great stuff you've got ads I thought some of the ads were great uh, there were some funny ads as well so what else have we got we've got loads of stuff here Carl you'd even get ads for cigarettes in the magazines back then yeah and I think Tenants no we have a programme yeah. there Tenants sponsored us in 96 uh, we have an article from 2007 with our chairman Rochi looking very happy like a pig and shite there isn't he <laughs> look at that smile and it's uh, it's from March 14th 2007 and it's talking about the Milltown pain cuts deep for the hoops and the ground we have a bear and barren stand in Tallet and it's all it's all very positive it's talking about the Milltown 20 March and it's all great stuff like that so this has all been in Anto's drawer and work and it's just sitting there and it's some really good stuff Carl we have Albert White's blog and it talks about Thomas Davis the saga continues talks about that um, the bias reporting from Tom Humphreys in the Irish Times and Albert White just re- uh, making sure that people know that it's not all right what he's saying and it's bias it's from 2007 yeah 2007 and we have the email but the last man standing that really got to Rovers and really roiled us up and spurred us on to make sure that we actually bring our spiritual home make sure Rovers playing it we've got a programme from 2004 with Crawley on the front I actually found this very funny some of the, some of the notes this was just after Buckley got, got the sack so that'll resonate with fans I remember that one We've, what else we've got Carl here we've got uh, who was playing for Cork at the time Dan Murray was playing for Cork at the time Neil Fame was playing Greg O'Halloran Alan Bennett so it's uh, it's definitely some good reading here they we've had a good Intertoto Cup run that year in 96 yeah they did actually no, two toys 2004 yeah two toys wasn't yeah. it yeah we've got some funny stuff we've got uh, the ads the, the, the ads are quite funny we've got some do you know what's funny right there's, there's an ad for like professional radios and we still use these radios and work this is 90s this is 2000 2004 and we still use them and they tell them they're new so <laughs> they've been found out uh, the Shamrock Rovers 400 club the AGM notice we are gearing up for the AGM to be held within the next six weeks 
and this is this is how little technology was used back then important notice the 400 club trustees are trying to contact following members E. Fitzgerald James Conley Colm O'Gorman and Kevin Bourne can you please contact Jonathan at said phone number so you've got all sorts of old school stuff Some re- the programme was great back then as well you've got quizzes you've got uh, stay alert with Shamrock Rovers the official Shamrock Rovers text alert if anyone remembers that so you text hoops to 53131 and you got your updates. Who have we got here? We've got a couple of sponsors here. Jeez, everyone got sponsored back then. We're kind of rambling on now, but it's definitely some good stuff. Let's see. Yeah, that, that was it. So we got Young Hoops. We've got. Then we have another program from 2000, uh, 1996. Samrock Rovers at home, St. Pat's. Uh, Jacobs, proud supplier of biscuits to Shamrock Rovers Football Club. Did Jay- they actually supply us with biscuits? Is that how that worked? Our old friends, Jacobs. I mean, we, we know how sponsorship works. We approach people and we try and strike a deal. So, did they go to them and say, listen, I want 40 boxes of digestives, 20 of rich tea, loads of cream crackers. That's how it works. And they were like, no, 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 listen, you can have 30 digestives. I can do you for 35. <laughs> 30, like, did they just literally roll up a load of biscuits and say, here you go, lads. This is a... This is your sponsor. Some cool stuff here. We have the Hoops Lotto, which was a guaranteed jackpot, jack, jackpot, guaranteed jackpot of 3,800. So you get in touch with Ed Leahy if you wanted to play the Lotto. Um, geez, we load load of good stuff here. Some some funny stuff as well. Uh, with news and views, Crumlin Hoops, they had just formed and the Crumlin Hoops initi- initiative. We had talk about the reserves with the... Uh, all sorts of cool stuff and then we had the fan scene so the Shamrock Rovers Supporters Club any requ- any inquiries uh, regarding SRFC contact Julia Flanagan in Dublin 4 the Hoops SC you had to contact Miss Nicola Cannon in Dundrum give her a ring the member saving club they had they had lottos they had all they had coupons they have all sorts the four in a row supporters club membership was three pound probably the Dublin supporters club if you're a hoops fan you hail from Sandy for Ballantyre at Farnham there's a bus there and why not join the club membership was free that was a uh, contact Peter he was in Sandy for the Glemelor number one the Crumlin hoops they were running the bus from Crumlin to Talca all the time look at all this this is great this is probably something we could bring back into the program there's a little note for um if if they need to fill up the pages of course Robert Mr Goggins uh, yeah so just some really good stuff all these old programmes and, and Lecoq Sporty for our sponsor then who have seemed to have gotten popular again this year but um, are in recent times with, with their garb so yeah we'll move on from that that was a little blast from the past there Carl and um, what else have we got we were talking about the Liam Toohey hat-trick from outside left and uh, playing on the outside left that's the, I think that's how they would have said it back then uh, yeah so we're going to look ahead to the League Cup final at the end of the show but first we had an interview with the legendary Mick Leach the first ever Rovers player to score a League Cup final goal in fact he scored a late winner from 30 yards against Sligo in 76 and Carl talked to Mick about his career mostly about when Rovers played in America as Boston Rovers and which was 50 years ago this summer so here's Mick Okay, I'm here with uh, Mick Leach, and Mick, you were signed as a teenager by Liam Toohey back in January 1967. What do you remember from that time? I don't want to pull you up, Carl, but I signed in October 66. I played me for... So your debut, your debut, yeah, January. Yeah, my debut in uh, January 1967. Uh, we played Dundalk, and Dundalk that particular season won the league. But I think we bet them 2-1 in Milltown that day. Now, it wasn't a very impressive debut, so... <laughs> I was at the sign and 
as I said in October and I played with the B team which included like Damien Richardson, Mick Lawler, Timmy Gregg, Sean Carr. We had a very exceptionally good B team and like most of the lads went on to play League of Ireland and had good careers in the league. So I made my debut in, uh, as I said, the 4th of January 1967, Dundalk Barris 2-1 and I replaced Liam Tui in the game but three quarter ways through the game I was replaced by Liam but look I was delighted to get the, the opportunity to play for Rovers like it was sort of even though it was a Pat supporter but like Rovers were always the team so to get the opportunity to play for Rovers like that was magical Your most prolific season was 68-69 a uh, total of 56 goals 5 hat-tricks and the local press dubbed you the Jimmy Greaves of Irish football I'm sure they had to write something but look when things were going well a few of the goals went in so I mean after that I had bad seasons if I scored 35 or 40 goals like so you sort of made a brick from my own back in terms of like the 56 that year like unless you scored 56 the following season everybody was in you had a bad season like an actual fact I probably played my best football 72-73 season but probably scored 20-25 goals but people looked at it and said oh yeah I scored only 25 like he scored 56 so in a bad season <laughs> so it's a comparison you had to make uh, he's the last Rovers player to score 5 goals in one game it was Finn Harp's first game in senior football and you showed him no mercy that day I remember that particular game it was up in Bally Buffet and it was probably for the wrong occasion that I remember the game because I think on the way home uh, we were diverted from Derry and I think it was the, I'm nearly certain there was uh, a bad night up in Derry I'm not certain whether it was the time that the 14 or 15 people were killed but uh, whether it was that night or the, maybe a season afterwards like I'll never forget the journey home I think it, we were back in Dublin Monday afternoon or something trying to get back from the game but like that Finn Harps like in fairness to them after that they turned into a very good team like Brendan Bradley, Brendan Hark and like they had exceptionally good players. But on that particular occasion it was the first game in the league and oh, there was a huge crowd up in Bally Buffet and um, we bet them ten two but like I got five but I mean uh, later on I think they they got their own back on us on a few occasions. And uh, you and Paddy Mulligan made your Ireland debut together. This was a uh 1969 against Czechoslovakia. We did, yeah. Um, I think Paddy came in at the last minute. Tony done or something. Um, cried off, and Paddy came in and played that particular game. Um, I remember the game. The Czech team were an exceptionally good team. I remember them from '62 World Cup final. Like the, the few players who had played in that team. So oh, I was a keen student of football. So I'd have. A uh, good idea of the Czech players, and at that team, I think it won. I'm not if they won the '67 European Championships. Like they were an exceptionally good team, and that was before the split. Like when it became Czech and then the Slovakia. So the for a small nation, they were exceptionally good in the volume of players they produced. He scored five goals across the 1967, 68, and 69 FAI Cup, FAI Cup finals. What are your memories from those? Well, the first game, 
as I said, that was after making my debut in '67. I was in and out of the team for, uh, you know, sort of the remainder of the season prior to the semi-final of the cup. And uh, on the semi-final of the cup, it was a Saturday against Dundalk, and it was in Daly Mount. And I played that game. I was picked that game, and I I scored a. It was a one-all draw, and I was delighted with my performance. So the following Wednesday was the replay in Tulka, and I would say there was twenty, thirty thousand in Tulka. Like I'll never forget it. Like they were hanging over the the stands, over the railings, and I scored two that night. And so that oh, I think that game was the one game that established me with Rovers. So after that, I more or less became a permanent fixture in the team. But the cup final was unique in a lot of ways because it fully Patrick's all my life up to that. And all my family were part of supporters. So, and it was also the first cup final that was televised live on television. So, in terms of, my dad was a fanatical Pat supporter. So he sort of was on a winner. Like either Pat won the cup or I came home with a cup medal. I know in theory he probably wanted me to win a but He sort of went down the road. Like Pat's, he was, as I said, a fanatical Pat supporter, and he was looking forward to Pat's winning the cup. As you say, because it was on TV that day, the crowd took a serious hit. Was that a sign of things only, to come? It was only about 15,000 at the match. Like, it was funny in the sense that the following year we played Waterford and it was 40,000 at the final. Now, I don't think the Waterford game was broadcast live, so maybe it was a reflection of the way the game was to come, like the introduction of television. Because Rovers and Pats would have been... Um, a big Dublin derby and you would have expected like, but I to be honest with you I wasn't aware of the crowd I just thought it was a huge crowd and playing the cup final like, it, it, it looked as if the 15,000 could have been 50,000 or whatever like for me it was just the opportunity to play in the final was but it was Rovers forward in a row and maybe people were getting a little bit peed off of Rovers winning it but the following year because it was Waterford and Waterford were a huge attraction in terms of like they were in the middle of winning five legs in a row and the cup was like they were really, really what would I say intent on winning the cup and Rob was a model for huge like Dublin country rivalry which was huge and like I think that was the biggest game ever on home soil, the biggest crowd was I mean there's 40,000 behind him but I nearly guarantee a five or ten thousand more didn't pay in because like, they were just everywhere in the ground. Did Rovers prepare or train differently for FEI Cup games? And what made them so unbeatable in the cup? You wouldn't believe it. When it came to cup preparation, we used to read about other teams. They went off and they were <laughs> training up and down the sands and whatever beats did everything you could think of. And at Rovers, it was the total opposite. Like it was nearly. Uh, a lazy week we just used to take it easy and but we felt we were invincible in the cup and relating to the first game we ever got beaten in 60 what was it 71 no 70 we got beaten by Shelbourne after the six in a row and I remember coming off to be I, I was injured halfway through the match and I had to come off but when the result came in like uh, I said oh no this can't be right bro was can't like can't be out of the cup like it was like a bad dream like we never felt that Rovers could go out of the cup but, but times have changed like how often had they won like 
since the, the 84 time, I mean, why have they won it once in the interim 30 years or something? Which is unbelievable, like, for it. But that's the way football goes, I assume. As I say, it's astonishing the Roars have gone that long without winning the Cup. Do you think they can do it this year? I think they can do it every year, but unfortunately it hasn't happened for them, you know. I mean, when you look at the draw, you'd say, well, not downgrading Bluebell, but you just feel that Rovers would be, sort of should be favourites to get into the semi-final. But after that, you have the possibility of Dundalk or Cork or whatever, like, so they're going to be... But Rovers have the beatings of them, you know, and you, you wouldn't be want to be afraid of anybody, but history has gone against them in the past... 20, 30 years, where we before, no matter who we are playing, whether we're at the bottom of the league or on top of the league, we always felt we'd beat them. Just going back to uh, 1973, three replays in three days against a long town, it's unthinkable nowadays. People wouldn't believe it, like, yeah, but three pre- replays and two of them were extra time. We played on the Wednesday, went extra time, we played in the Thursday, went extra time, we played in the Friday and we won 3 1. But I remember we played Limerick in the Cup on the Sunday. Like, Rovers begged the FAI to call the match off. They wouldn't hear it. But, I mean, we went down to Limerick, and I remember getting off the train. I could hardly walk from the train station up to the ground. I mean, my legs were just gone, like, and uh, we got beaten 1-0 by Limerick. But, like, it wasn't hard to say, like, because we just couldn't get into the game. Like, the legs and body was just completely shattered. I saw someone say you actually dropped from exhaustion during one of the games. I did. No, no, I don't think that. No, but like, I mean, I I was exhausted. Like to be honest, every one of the players, like I mean, there was always one or two players that had exceptional running ability that could last. But I wasn't one of them. Uh, it would have been Billy Lord back then. Who would have been tend you as the physio? I have to ask about him. What was he like? And do you have any stories about him? <laughs> Billy was a legend. I mean. When you got to know Billy, you learned his history. Billy was uh, probably unique in the sense that he was a professional runner, like back in the 1920s or something. And, I mean, in those days, like, people ran like horses, like, people bet on running, like, the stories that you'd hear of him. But, like, the thing about Billy was, Billy was a chain smoker, and he smoked 80 to 100 woodbines a day. And... He lived till he was 80 odd, and nobody could ever explain. But the lads had the same when you went into Billy, like you'd be getting treatment off him, and he'd be smoking one cigarette, and he could light another cigarette off it. But the ash would be falling on your leg, right? The lads said, Did "You get plenty of ash." That that was the cure, like the, when you when you got a groin injury or a hamstring injury, when the ash fell on you, you knew that Billy had cured you. That that was the the, the joke among the lads that Billy had a the kill from the ash it's the 50th anniversary of Boston Robbers and first of all what was your reaction when you were told you were going to play professional football for 7 weeks in the States oh look to go to the States in the 60s was fun like Dublin and Ireland at the time I mean most people reflect on it it was sort of a dreary gloomy time like work wasn't we were only coming out of sort of 50s depression housing was bad people were only start so the thought of going to him, I didn't know until after cup final, like, and then, like, the panel was picked, and I was told that I was going to the States, like, and, like, fella said to me, like, what do you think of Disney World? So, the whole trip was Disney World, like, 
And I mean, it wasn't that we were stuck in Boston. Like we went from Boston to San Francisco to Los Angeles to Houston to Washington to up to Toronto, across the Vancouver. Like there's just there seemed to be no end of the trips on it. Look, it was a phenomenal experience for us, and I mean, no, none of us could look back and say that they didn't because it was as well as the football aspect of it which you were playing full time football for seven or eight weeks like you were playing against top teams and oh, like the grounds weren't probably what you would have expressed because a lot of them were the what would I say the hockey or not the baseball pitches and they did diamonds across them or they were the American football pitches which wouldn't be as big or as, or as wide as the soccer pitches but look it was a unique experience and Paddy Mulligan said he'd never seen a motorway in his life so what was your impression of these big cities and big cars and things? I don't think I ever saw a car before I went over there Paddy, oh look, everything about it was unreal like, as you said, like the flying out for the start like, I'd been on a few trips before that maybe over to England or Germany with this team but the fly on the plane to America like, was unreal Like, it's just hard to explain as I said, it was just like it was going to Disney World if somebody said to a 10 year old kid would you like to go to Disney World for 7 weeks well that's what it was for me you needed a few weeks leave from Guinness to go oh yeah well, like the, I have to say Guinness or the Azure where they are now was a phenomenal job like they never ever uh, stood in the way of allowing you to get time off to fire sport and achievements uh, and suddenly you found yourself strutting down the catwalk at a fashion show uh, well, <laughs> I don't know whether that was a plus or a minus. <laughs> ah, yeah, look, over there they sold the game different. I mean, we would never in Dublin have expected that and like that, but that was part and parcel of it. Like, like we were in supermarkets practicing, like in the car parks, we were practicing soccer skills, and like the reaction was great. Like, the kids like couldn't believe people could juggle the ball, and like then like where we were we stayed out in a place called Lane it was just outside Boston and there was a few American lads who were footballers and like they were mad keen to train us and see what way like we would train them wherever you know they were fascinated like with the, the oval ball compared to what they had played with and when you arrived at the airport uh, Maureen O'Hara met you in LA that would have been her neck of the woods in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, well, her father was a director of Rovers. I mean, I didn't realise at the time, but you, you learn the history, and her father was a director. And I was I, speaking to the older players, she used to go to Rovers matches when she was a kid. Now, I can't verify that because I'm not that old, but the older lads would have told you that she was well known for going to the games. You would have met Stevie Wonder as well. Well, that was probably at the time we were playing in Vancouver and on this particular day we were out training and normally you came back to the hotel. Ourselves and we, Sunderland were representing Vancouver and at the time they had a legendary player playing with them called Jim Baxter who was on the, the Scottish team that beat England in the 3-2 match in Wembley and like he was brilliant in the game. But he, he, like, he truly was. He played for Glasgow Rangers but... He was a brilliant, brilliant player. But um, we went travelling out to the game. Both of us were staying in one hotel. You used the same bus and coming on from to from the matches. But we came back from the match and it was five, five six of us getting into the lift. And with that, 
coloured lad said, hey guys, can you pick out room 23 for me? And he got in the lift for us. Now, he was about six foot four high and about six foot four wide. There was barely room for him to get in the lift. And uh, he says, well, you guys with strange accents. Oh, yeah, he said, we're all from Ireland. What do you do? Well, we, we play soccer. Oh, I've never heard of that game. But he said, um, he said, what are you doing over here? He says, I'm playing a concert. I said, what's your name? He says, Little Stevie Wonder. We broke out laughing, like, because if you saw the size of the lad, like, but after you realised, like, how much of a great musician he was. Had a bit of a sing-song with him? Well, he didn't ask us to sing Celebration. He had to record it at that stage, but uh, he invited us to the concert, but unfortunately, I think it was the same night as the match, so we weren't able to go, but... um, it was, uh, as well as then we met at the time, like, there was other groups we met, like, in the airport, you would have met, and the fact that you were a group of fellas traveling together, like, when you got to the airport, like, there may be, uh, like, cameras taken, and you, you met, like, like, at the time, it was sort of the hippie movement was coming, and it was, there was groups, so it goes into the music, and... There was a few groups we met in the airport, like, and they were all interested. They were mildly interested in, in soccer, you know, but I don't think they knew much about it, but they were prepared to talk to you about it. In terms of the games themselves, the first one against Glentoran was kind of a physical battle. Which one's going to stick out in the memory? Well, that Glentoran game was because at the time, like, Glentoran were an exceptionally good team. A lad called John Cole Ryan was the manager, who later came down and managed Patrick's. He was at the beginning with Glasgow Celtic. And they had um, a good group of players because they'd, signed, uh, they'd sold a few players during the season to, uh, I think, Derby County who were in the Division 1, which is the Premier League, at that, and, and they brought those players back. So going into the game, it would have been sort of 50-50 game. Cause, Excuse me, football in the north at the time was strong, like club football in the north, Linfield, Glen Tord and Coleraine, they were all strong teams, you know, like there was probably very little between um, the teams down here and the clubs up there at the time, and um, be- there was a competition going along then, the Blacksnake Cup, you know, and um, they were keenly contested team, or, or like um, we played Glen Tower and up the north, I never remember anything like the crowd. Uh, I think that was the 67 season, it might have been. And we played Glen Tower in the semi final, and I never forgot the crowd that travelled up. Like, there had to be 6,000 travel up from Dublin, and I'd say we easily met another 10,000 up waiting for us up to go to over to play in Windsor Park. Like, and it was like the lads had an opportunity to show off their green and white colours and they they all rolled in behind Rovers but like those were hugely contested competitions and um, like there was very little difference in the standard between as I said the northern teams and ourselves I mean you could expect 20, 25,000 at those matches There's huge interest from the, the fans and the media from what you were doing in Boston but how would you contrast to Irish people back home did they seem to take much of what you were doing? No, I don't think they had any interest in that trip. Um, I don't think it got good there. Probably say, there wasn't much press coverage. Certainly, there was no press on the trip with us. I mean, I'd say, 
I, I went away with Ireland to Brazil in 1972, and I think there was no press people there either. It was only in sort of the, the late 80s that the Irish press started going up. So the coverage at home was very little. Whereas Gantoran, known as Detroit Cougars, they kind of made a big fuss about it. They, they had television programs. I remember watching television programs and all, like because they thought it was a fantastic occasion for the club from the north to go. Like, and it was only about a year ago or two years ago, I saw a program on like uh, BBC Northern Ireland. Like it was great coverage of the whole trip and everything, but over here it didn't make any difference down south. Were you offered terms by any American clubs after that? Well, <laughs> before we went away, we played West Ham, and it was the West Ham team that had Bobby Moore, Jeff Horse, Martin Peters, and a like. I think uh, the winger was uh, the manager of Birmingham, Redknapp, Paddy Redknapp, and did an exceptionally good team, and we actually drew five all with them. But after the match, I was sort of uh, asked, was he interested in going to West Ham, and. Uh, I was interested, but when the club were approached, they were told that uh, I, I was sort of contracted that I had to go to Boston with the American team, but I didn't know till afterwards that what happened was that they were supposed to be offering 50000 but it was dollars or pounds on a, for me, and um, but halfway through the tournament, like, West Ham approached the person who asked me again and said like what's the situation and they said oh no he has to continue and they sort of said to me well look we have to make our mind up like either we know that you're coming or we have to sign somebody else now at the time like I, I understood that like but I never thought that like um, <laughs> I was delighted to play for hours so it wasn't any big deal that because I felt if Number one, I wasn't mad interested in going away, but if it did, I thought that I would have come around later. And like I was prepared to let it run out and see what happened with the American thing. But I think the Americans then halfway through around the same time as the interest that they started, their interest started to dwindle because uh, I think whilst they were interested in promoting soccer, but it wasn't for the good of the game they were doing it like they were interested it was it was a business situation with them and I don't think the crowds are what they anticipated and it started to lose money like the trip for the American crowd so they started to we noticed they started the hotels became less agreed the quality of food didn't and then we were supposed to get spend the money and that sort of was withheld so you realised then that it wasn't all what it was made out to be and I don't know really what happened there's a book out about it and I always intended to read it but I know Paddy Mulligan stayed on over there now whether he played for the same team and I, <laughs> I was only talking to Paddy today and I meant to mention to him whether he played for the same team that we actually mm. or the company that like promoted us over there or whether it was another club set up like yeah, there were relaunches of a club called Boston Beacons yeah but I don't know whether it was the same people who were involved in there so but look and then I think it took a downturn and then I think it was when Pele and that went over and maybe in 70 odd that it started to redevelop but it, it uh, what would I say there was four or five attempts to get her off the ground before it and even still you still see that 
where there seems to be progress in that stages, but it's not the major product that it is like the Premier League or whatever it is in England because like American football have the money to finance and what's like the younger generation are more interested in soccer like you can see it with the women and everything but it'll be a hard job to break to take over as the major sport in America I mean the crowds were exceptional for the World Cup and all over there but it seems to be when it goes away from there they don't have the same um, so support for the local teams like Galaxy are doing okay but they'll be getting 20 odd thousand or maybe the New York Reds or the New Manchester City crowd New York quality city like they still don't get because I see some of the games on television and none of them are actually except I think Montreal or Toronto were the one club that's getting 50 or 60 thousand you came back for your second spell at Rawers in 1976 but it was a very different club to the one that you left yeah, well, when I came back to Rovers, myself and uh, Patton, I think, and Johnny Fulham, we came back, but the place that where Sean Thomas took over and he sort of had this idea that he was going to de- develop, and whilst we had an exceptionally good group, Bloody Warriors, Robbie Gaffney, Alan O'Neill, like it was three sort of senior players and a lot of young players and for the first few weeks of the season we won the League Cup we bet Sligo on the final and like we looked as if the prospects were good for the season but then when we got into the league and the likes of Dundalk and that like you realise like that it was sort of boys versus men like because Dundalk like were an extremely big physical team and we read the lads real lawyers like that. Now, as I said, individually as players, they were all exceptionally good players, but just it probably wasn't the right mixture. You know, maybe we had eight experienced players and two or three of the younger players coming through, but to have it the reverse way around, it just didn't work. You scored the winning goal in that cup final with two minutes to go. I did, yeah, yeah. I look, I really looked forward to coming back, and I, I thought that. Uh, the glory days were going to return but like that season by the end of the season we were struggling and then like Sean was gone and Johnny Joyles took over then and like basically like Johnny wasn't interested in lads like me because he more or less wanted a professional setup. and I was at a stage in my life then I was 27, 28 like there was no way I was packing in a job to become professional so it was basically the, um, a case of me sort of more or less find another club for myself. Like I, I was totally disappointed to leave Rovers because I looked forward to Johnny coming and I think I scored a fourth goal for him. We played away up in Dundalk in the league and I scored a winning goal. We won one nil and I thought that um, I said oh, maybe maybe things would work out, but Johnny wasn't wasn't interested in that like he wanted it. So it was goodbye, <laughs> and look, I went to Bowes and Bowes won the league that year. So then I went down to Drada for two or three seasons, and we done okay. We were second or third in the league, but that was the end of it. Uh, your son Mark and your brother Bobby they pay for ours as well. Yeah, but like I have to say, in Bobby's case and Mark's case, like, but Bobby was exceptionally um, unlucky. 
he made his debut for Pats at 17 and I thought he was going to be a great player and his very first game about half an hour into the game he went over and done a cartilage and in those days it was two years before he ever got back playing and like it was a huge operation then and he went made a comeback then he played with home farm in the league and that but he was never the same player and then the other cartilage went and he was out oh, like it was a nightmare for him like just the look of the game and unfortunately he, he, he didn't have it still like to get along to Tala and see Auroras which of the current players do you like the look of? And look it's difficult to say Luke because you say at the present time you'd have to say like young Borg playing the middle of the field looks an exceptionally good player and you know that like there's a class about him obviously the discipline side of him you have to query but I mean in terms of his ability like he has he has great ability that was some great stuff there from Mick I love hearing these first hand accounts from times that we just haven't any access to whatsoever it's just really and his memory is fantastic as well so yeah as you say Mick uh, Robert's legend and poor fella I subjected him to that creepy stairwell yeah, for the interview. you had him in the creepy stairwell and when he came in he was like jeez the people saw me in here yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was uh, and, uh, yeah the son and 42 to the E they had the same idea as me both of them had they want to get interviews old men in the creepy stairwell no that's the stairwell they had interviews <laughs> with Mick this week so I'm just looking at a programme Carl showed me here from Schalke in the Cup Winners' Cup. They laid out Mick's astonishing 56 goals in that 1968-69 season. 56 goals, Carl. What a season. 56 goals. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I was a centre-half. When I scored, it was the best feeling ever. I love scoring goals. Didn't score many. I think I scored one for the Rover supporters club, Glenn Malore against... Do you know who it was against? It was against the Dundrum Mental Hospital. That's who I scored against in the UCFL. So there were a few and far between, and when you did score, you felt a biz. So Carl has gone through the effort of getting his tally for 1968 and 69. So he had a great season against Bowles that year. He, had, he scored seven, same with Cork, Celtic, Cork Hibernians. Jesus, how many Corks were there? He smashing them in against Cork as well. Um, yeah, so, jeez, 56 goals, wow. Yeah, so in the league, he scored 19 goals. He scored 10 in the Shield. Scored six in the FAI Cup, scored seven in the City Cup, Leinster Cup, he scored eight, President's Cup, he did not notch one, but he got one in the top four, and the Blacksnit All-Ireland Cup, four goals. He just smashed them in that season. That was in one season. One season. Goal bonanza. He really was banging them in, so um, definitely a Rovers legend that we're talking to there. So next up is Carl Stats. The best stats ever. And now we have against Bluebell, Brandon Mille scored the first hat-trick of his senior career. He is now Rovers' top scorer this season on 12 goals. So we have goals from everywhere. We've Shawsy on double figures, we've Borky on double figures, and now we have Brando on double figures. So banging them in in our uh, second half of the pitch. So we have Mille has scored five goals in his last three games, and that run Carl talked about has happened. Nostradamus, Car- the prof, Nostradamus <laughs> Riley. Uh, having not scored in any of his previous 14 wow I didn't know that his run was that barren and Rovers have won the last 25 matches that Mila has scored in but he has never scored against Dundalk oh girl uh, Mila had a short spell with Bluebell in late 2014 and Nimoyle scored a hat-trick for Rovers against a former club UCD in 2007 Mila is the first Rovers player to score a hat-trick since Danny North at home Slim Jim Danny Slim Jim North uh, at home to draw it on the final day of the 2015 season 
Only one other Rovers first team player netted a hat trick at Tallis Stadium. Gary Twig versus Dundalk 2012. Chris Lyons scored one for the B team against Cove Ramblers in 2014, first division. So before Brando, the last two Rovers players to score a hat trick in the FAI Cup were Billy Dennehy against UCD and Derek Swan against Finn Harps in 1991. Anyone remembers that one? Please get in touch with us and give us a story because. Like in previous weeks, we've talked about people and we've asked for stories and they have continued to do so. So definitely, if anyone remembers that one, get us on Facebook, on the link, any of our links, and um, just definitely to tell us a little story about it. Cameron King made his first start for the club while Darren Clark came on for his debut. Gary Shaw had started 23 games in a row since May 5th until he missed out at the Bluewell game due to stitches in his head. Yeah, he was due a rest really, wasn't he? Yeah, like I said, I didn't drop you, Shazzy. I just gave you a rest that time and you finally got your rest and you know what it wasn't even it wasn't even it was forced he got a boot in the head or elbows in the head from those MMA superstars playing for Cork Uh, Ryan Connolly scored his first competitive goal for Rovers his last goal had been for Galway against Dundalk on the final day of the season of last season Bluebug became the first non-league club to score two goals against Rovers in the FAO Cup twice in St. Pat's in 1949 the first the first team to score two goals in an FAO Cup tie since 49. What a stat. Statzilla. I'm going to call you now, Carl. Statosaurus Rex. <laughs> the last team to score an equaliser had been Chapel Lizard in 58. Who are now defunct, I reckon. Don't exist anymore. Or they probably exist in some sort of Linser Senior League capacity. They joined the ranks of Jacobs and... Yeah, all the biscuit other makers. Ghosts of League of Ireland past. Yeah. So Rovers have won seven games in a row since all in all competitions for the first time since 1993. Brads, I like that one, didn't he, Carl? He did. They're looking for eight straight wins for the first time since a run of nine from April, September 1987. So we've never done it in a single season since leaving Milltown. Never done eight in a row. Brad's are smashing the records this year, isn't he? And yeah, Stephen Braddy's record breakers this season because we've got the most wins in a row in 24 years. Oh, 24 years. Potentially 30. Potentially 30. We're on currently on a run of the most games without a draw in 31 years wow 31 years and earlier in the season we had the most consecutive games scored in for 33 years oh man smashing smashing records so Dundalk are also in very good form and on a run of 7 consecutive wins at the moment so does it have the law written all over this game <laughs> 2 form teams scoring goals for fun I reckon we have them we have their number Michael Duffy is in great form for them. He's got 11 assists in his last 10 games. Uh, listen, Simon Madden and either Trev or... Yeah, Trev, Trev will have him in his pocket. Give him a nice boot at the start of the game. That'll shut him up, won't it? So Derry have won the most League Cups. 10. And next highest is Dundalk on 5. Rovers have won two League Cup trophies. So we don't uh, haven't really excelled in this one. 76 and 2013. Rovers have reached their fourth League Cup final in six years. They've lost more finals than any other club. We've won more Cups and we've lost more finals. And any other club. So, Brandon Miele and Dave Webster are the only Rovers players to start every League Cup game this season. James Dewan have featured in all three as well. They're smashing in that winner. That late dramatic winner against Cork in the semis. Rovers beat Bowles. Longford and Cork on the way to the final. Dundalk beat UCD on penalties, Waterford and Galway. Rovers have met Dundalk in a total of 26 Cup competition finals, winning 16 of them. They went to penalties. Uh, two went to penalties. When Rovers won the 1983-84 Dublin City Cup and 1987-88 President's Cup. Two cups that don't exist anymore, am I right? Well, that's the old form of the President's Cup. Now we've got the new one, the FEI President's yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. Named after Mickey D himself. Good old Mickey D. Uh, the only game Steve Stanton ever played for Dundalk was in the President's Cup. 
wasn't it? Mm-hmm. This is the fifth cup competition final that Rovers have played at Tala. Playing two League Cup finals against Drogheda here, Ronan Finn can become the first Rovers player to win two League Cup medals. He will join an illustrious um, club with uh, Aidan Price, who won something similar. One, one cup, one league win in the first division and one league in the Premier Division. He's the only one to do that. Yeah, only man. Good, good old Ado. Definitely still have good, uh, good memories of uh, Ado Price. Good Rovers lad. Rovers lost 2014 League Cup final at Oriel Park to Dundalk and 1986-87 final at Daily Mount Park which ended up denying the hoops to treble. And Rovers have failed to score in only one of the last 28 League Cup games. So like I said, Carl, we have goals in us. Mick Bourne scored a club record of 20 League Cup goals. Kieran Kilduff's Rovers' highest scorer in the Tala era with six. Scored on Mick Bourne smashing them in in the League Cup. Only two Rovers players have ever scored a hat-trick in the League Cup. Donald Murphy against Athlone in 1974 and Tony Cousins against Longford in 2002. And like we said before, if anyone can remember that one, the Donald Murphy hat-trick against Athlone, and I'm sure there's plenty of Tony Cousins uh, fans out there who uh, can remember that Longford hat-trick. So get your stories into us. Stephen Kenny has won five League Cups, equaling Torlock O'Connor's record. And as a player, Stephen Bradley won every domestic trophy except the League Cup and never reached the final. So he scored a penalty in the first ever League Cup game at Tala. 3-0 win over Kiltair County. I remember this. We were in the West Stand for this. And Baba Isaka gave away the penalty. That's a, There's when I would pull out a bag for you. That's a great memory there. Yeah, I remember it well. I remember it well. He actually played very well that day. Um, and, yeah, uh, Bradley's quite decorated. That's something that goes under the radar. He, one, one. Even won a Leinster Senior Cup and a Munster Senior Cup. They're Munster Senior Cup as yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, John Byrne remembers the 1976 League Cup final. Ah, good stuff. I love these stories. He says, First decent trophy won in the Kilcoyne era. Great scenes as we marched back into town afterwards. I recall chaotic celebrations more than the goal, which was a late one, if I recall correctly, at the tramway end. It was 41 years wow. ago. What a memory. Rovers probably played in black and white hoops because the only colour available in 1970s Dublin was Biscuity Beige Biscuity Beige uh, that's a great way to describe that I'm going to yeah. take that one John Bourne Biscuity Beige so um, we have Anto Proctor Anto PSRFC remembers the 1998-99 final I'm surprised he remembers this considering his reputation well, he, he, <laughs> got the day, he got the day and the year wrong but other than that he remembered everything <laughs> yeah good old Anto one of the original hoops that I went to the games with likes a drop uh, final second leg in Cork that we lost 1-0 great away trip on the train drinking cans of Grolsch about 5,000 in Turner's Cross that's something I'd love to get going again going on the trains because there's a little bit more debauchery to be had on the trains isn't there than on the buses right so we have starting 11s and predictions now this is something I'm struggling with Carl for the whole I still haven't decided Still ruffling through my notes here. I've got something squalled somewhere. Okay, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with three in the middle because I think it's very hard to drop young balls or so. I'm gonna go Tomer. I'm gonna go Trevor fullback and those runs from deep. Webby Pico and Madden because Grace is a uh, cup tied. I'm gonna have Bulger, Finn, and McAllister. I'm gonna have Brando doing it and Shawzy. And I know I like Brando playing in behind, but I don't think I can drop Bulger, Finn, and McAllister. I think they're the form guys. They're playing well together. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give doing it a start. I, I I think I think it's time for him to come of age, and step up. And uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. It's just what I do. I don't think Bradzer's gonna start him. He could start. 
cuts that king ahead of him, but that's like that's as I said, I'm gonna go for a two one win in extra time. What about you? My team is slightly different, I'm gonna say Tomer. Go on. Trevor, Webster, Pico and Madden. Okay. In the middle, Bolger, Finn and McAllister. Okay, so you're going three in the middle again. Same okay. as you so far. I'm going to have Brando and I'm going to keep King oh, in the starting lineup. An unknown entity. They won't know how to approach him. That's very good, Carl. And Shaw's up front. And Shaw's up front. For yeah. What about Mikey O'Connor's? Poor guy can't get a game, can he? Well, if Shawzi isn't fit, then O'Connor will fund. Yeah, very true, very true. And my prediction, I'm going to say two all and win on penalties. Oh, yes. So there we go. That is the predictions and our starting 11s. So tickets for the game, Carl. We're going to move on to that. We have the East stand. There's no way we're going to be in the East stand either way. There's no way he could have dislodged us. And some of the main stand as well. So we must get. We must have the majority of the allocation, do we? Uh, we have from the car park up to the Glenmalore suite. Lovely. In the West End. And the and the whole the East End. Yeah. So we're pretty Dun- much been given most of it. Dundalk sold their allocation of one thousand tickets. Oh lovely. Now tell me this, why have they only got a thousand if it's a final? I don't know. Did they need more than a thousand? Well, it's a final, should it not be split? I don't know. It's a strange one. But either way. I don't think there's any child tickets left in the East End. I saw, <laughs> saw some <laughs> people left at all. Saw some people complaining about that, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, the FAI are taking on the Glenmalore suite for the night so really won't be getting in there so look, as in they're just going to sit there and drink points and not let anyone in yeah well, John Delaney want to be putting money behind the bar it's an FAI event I guess yeah it's true true hopefully clean up after themselves um, yeah so um, that's that anyway we have the St. Pat's game at Richmond Park which has been rescheduled for Monday September 25th so we owe Pat's a beating Carl yeah, there was a great letter sent in to the Echo last week. It said, Dear Editor, took my kids to watch last Friday's League of Ireland match at Tallis Stadium between Shamrock Rovers and Cork City, and I can only say how impressed I was with the facilities. The good value of admission for €15 Euro for an adult and €5 Euro for kids, but especially the standard of soccer, particularly how Shamrock Rovers passed the ball about. My kids' attention was maintained up to the last minute. Perhaps it is time we all can reconsider the Sky Sports package and get out to support our own domestic soccer teams. Yours sincerely, Frank Brown, Temple Oak. Frankie Brown from Temple Oak, fair play to you. We thank you. We hope to see you back in Tallis Stadium every week. And we do play a nice bit of ball, don't we? Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of people on Facebook lately say that we should play the TV game on a night where there's no other team playing. So say, for example, the Thursday night. Mm. And I would go along with that. Yeah, I mean, Let all the other league fans watch the live game. Yeah, like we said, we're not fans of the TV when our games are being televised because it just doesn't help people might sit at home they might be just home from work and they're tired they, they don't want to make the trip they might live across the city they're watching on TV I'm not a fan of it to be honest I'd, I'd prefer if we got compensated nicely it might work out but other than that I'd rather have the, ga- the games not on TV and just everybody gone and some sort of promotion push in that sense but that's a discussion for another day I know if you're listening to this podcast we're just preaching to the choir at this stage but uh, nice comment from Tony Mille he says season ticket costs less than flights and a hotel and a ticket to one match in England or Scotland great value and entertainment at Tata yeah, Stadium summed up in one there I mean the Barstool debate will rage on forever and ever Carl I mean the efforts of paying all that money to travel for one game and it's not even a real away trip Carl I mean look at Rovers I mean let's say away to Cork right let's let's put it on a par here yeah, let's say you go up to fanfare.ie or whatever and you go up and say hey, I want to go to Man United and West Brom I'd like to see the game 
and you pay let's say what 180 ticket transport and that's a day trip right that's your day trip and that doesn't include food that doesn't include drink that doesn't include anything like that so let's go cork away right bus 20 euro bag of cans tenner ticket in 15 maybe a tenner if you say you're a child or a student sweaty burger off a day of barry fiver that's even if you choose to eat more cans for the trip home a tenner i mean the guts of 60 quid and you're having a ball it's a real away trip the crack of the bus the feeling of a belonging something special the rowers family the stories the characters if any neutral or skeptic are going to go away away just recently it would have knocked their socks off and there's no way they're going to pay all that money to go and just go to some random soulless game in I don't know, Old Trafford, there's no singing section, there's no real feel, no connection to the club where we have, I mean, we feel connected, there's a camaraderie on that bus, you get onto that Gary Twig bus, right, you're talking and drinking for the whole way down, no one's sitting there, no one's being to themselves, everybody's talking to each other, you don't know their names, you end up knowing their names, you're talking to them all, all the way down, you're drinking, you're having a crack, that is Rovers. And if you don't if you don't grow up experiencing that, thinking football is a television show, I pity you and your kids and anyone that you know and you so call yourself a football fan, you're a bar stooler and you you haven't experienced it, get down to your local club. Get down to Rovers, we play great football. And the away trips are just epic. Like I said. That's that's it, that's the rant over. But that that's that's real football. On the terraces, on the buses, on the trains. Carl, you know what I'm talking about. I feel like I should stand and applaud that. <laughs> it, it really is. It's just it's it's such a thing to look forward to. When you know you have an away game coming up, you've cork away, you've got that. You, you're texting around, you're saying who's going. Oh yeah, John's on fucking on on the away on the Gary Twig bus. Oh yeah, yeah, this, it's going to be great. It's a sold out. Yeah, well, so is the Hoops SC. They're sold out, and you're seeing people in pubs, and you have stories of Tommy Kelly gets lost in Galway, disappears if he's even there. You know, it's just it's fantastic. So. And just going back to the, the card game, Glenn Moran said, I had sacred hearts under 10s down for the game. 19 kids. Oh, great stuff. They were greeted by a man called Stuart who was brilliant with the lads uh, from the Rover staff at half six and brought around the stadium and got to play at half time. They got their faces painted, their hair sprayed and got to watch some really good football. To say they had a brilliant night is an understatement. They had three and a half hours of excellent entertainment and in training during the week they were talking about how they were going to go back down with their parents. There you go. I mean, the whole match day experience. As I mean, it's it's unbelievable. When when you look at the work that the junior hoops are putting in, they set up their own little marquee and they're dragging kids in. They say, "Hey, junior hoops, get over here!" They want everybody participating, and they know that that's the future. They know that this is a massive catchment area. Hundred thousand people in Tala. They're the ones you want to be seeing coming to the games. The eighteen to thirty year olds, and and they're the ones that are going to keep the club going for the next couple of years. But then the younger ones who are going to get brought and hooked, like my young lad Jaden, he's hooked. He's officially Rovers. The balls are green and white in his room. He's got Lukey Bourne's signed jersey up on his wall. Uh, it's he's, he's Rovers mad. Do you know what I mean? Hates when he misses a game. And they're the ones that you want to pass on the torch to. And I'm getting very sentimental here, Carl. I'm, um, I'm, I'm dreading the end of the season, to be honest. What are we going to do when there's no football? So uh, we're going to have to interview the junior hoops lads soon as well. Give them a piece on their own because they do fantastic work. And they yeah. really, really are a credit to the club. And it's all voluntary as well. It's definitely something we're working on, yeah. It's all voluntary. So a big thanks to all the lads at Junior Hoops. And we know there's a couple of listeners there. So uh, I saw them giving out chocolate bars last week. So I'll be definitely gunning for a free chocolate bar for this exposure there, lads. Yeah, so that's a big thanks to all the 
junior hoops lads who were involved we've got like Anthony McDonald you've got Bill Gleeson Glenn Dunn uh, Stuart who was mentioned there like I said get the chocolate out lads we're coming <laughs> um, so just before we leave we have uh, the Connollys are selling raffle tickets in aid of lung cancer unit at St James's Hospital so a fantastic cause you'll find Rod you'll find Karen won't be in the Glenmalore suite I don't think this week because it's an FAI event but everybody knows Rod and Karen and Maureen and uh, some great prizes to be won you've got vouchers for the Rovers shop you've got uh, one of those really really expensive Hoovers the Dyson, I think they're like 500 quid. You've got um, season tickets, two sets of season tickets there. Fantastic, really good cause. And you'll find Karen at the game with her mom and Rod. And um, like I said, get in there and, and buy some tickets there. For, one for a five or three for a tenner. Great cause. And like I said, you'll find the guys at the game. Right, so that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And uh, keep tuned because we've definitely got some more fantastic segments planned and uh, two informed teams Car, we've won seven in a row they've won seven in a row should be a cracker and the League Cup final fellow hoops it's that week it's a big week for us so let's give these a beating and a taste of what the semi-final will be like in the FAI Cup so we've got the home advantage let's get the place rocking and the words of the legendary Chuck D let's bring the noise so keep on hooping folks see ya when an irresistible force such as you Meets an old immovable object like me You can bet as sure as you live Something's gotta give, something's gotta give, something's gotta give When an irrepressible smile such as yours Warms an old implacable heart such as mine Don't say no because I insist Somewhere, somehow, someone's gonna be kissed So on guard, who knows what the fates have in store from their vast mysterious sky I'll try hard ignoring those lips I adore but how long can anyone try fight 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 it with all of our might Chances are some heavenly star-spangled night You'll find out as sure as we live Something, 